This is our first live episode of Human Factors Cast. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, and uh, you know what? We're so excited to be doing this here live on YouTube. And, uh, you know, if you're doing this on the normal route with a uh, with the RSS feed, uh, we're happy to have you too. But you can check us out every Monday. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I think we should uh, just go ahead and start this thing. Yeah. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome, Human Factors Practitioner. On the show today, in studio, yeah, we have Mr. Billy Hall. Hey, everybody. How's it going today? Oh, man, I'm excited. Like I, I am said. super jazzed about this. <laughs> this I was is cool. a little scared when we started setting up. I was like, oh, gosh, they're going to see my face. They're going to oh, be like, dislike. Man. But now you guys get to see the sweet, manly personage the, of the this. The studio, too. Oh, well, we yeah. Awesome studio. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, uh, go check us out on YouTube, like I said. Uh, we'll be streaming every Monday now, or we're going to try to uh-huh. anyway, at 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, do check us out. Um also, not in the studio is uh, we made a big announcement last week about Blake Arnstorff joining the show, and yeah. uh, you know, on his first day, he ran away. He uh, <laughs> he left us. No, he he had to take care of some things, and so he'll be he'll be here next week for his first official uh, Human Factors cast episode as uh, one of the uh, permanent fixtures. Yeah. He's so- like a, he's like a Doctor <laughs> Quest right now. He's jet setting around doing science. Yes, yes. Well, um, so I just want to mention right out, the, out at the uh, beginning here, um, you guys should check out our Facebook page because uh, we're going to be talking about some amazing, amazing topics here coming up in a couple weeks, uh, like Psychology of Fear yeah. uh, next week, yeah, PlayStation VR impressions. Yes, um, definitely. Lots and lots of cool things, theme parks, uh Colors. You wanted to talk yeah, about colors. I like the colors. Yeah. Mostly so, uh, so I can say Duke. The colors. Duke. The colors. <laughs> so yeah, go check it out. Uh, ask us some questions. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Billy. Yeah. What are we talking about today? We're going to be going into space. space. I'm excited about this. Space is cool. Yeah, um, definitely cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Space is space is really neat. I listen to a lot of Star Talk. Um, and uh, I mean, you might be a little bit of a Star Wars fan. I mean, yeah, but Star Talk is more like astrophysics and and reality. Yeah, uh, but so I that's kind of cool. That love of space, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, big Star Wars fan. Uh, this is not a Star Wars episode, though. We're gonna try to keep it as grounded in reality as we can. Oh, that's um, no fun. So, <laughs> well, to you maybe. Uh, space is cool. Right, right, yes. right. Okay, so. Um, yeah, this is this is a big deal. I'm kind of excited about this whole like live stream thing, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so first of all, let's just let's just set the groundwork. What do you consider space? So space, uh, in my notes, I have anything from low Earth orbit to mm-hmm. deep space. So actually, Blake is on a plane right now. Right. Uh, I would not consider that space. That's high Earth, or I guess, well, that's low Earth orbit. I don't know. Would that be space? Is that is, considered 15,000 feet is what they always say it is. Is, is that considered low I, orbit? I don't know. Is Blake in space right now? Suborbital? I, yeah. Blake is suborbital right now. He is flying through the sky. I'm thinking of that Louis C.K. routine. It's like right. we're flying through the air. We have Technological no Technological marvels. Right? 
Right. Man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So so I figured, you know, for this this discussion, I think we'd just take a different approach to the podcast today since uh, this topic was actually generated from uh, one of the panels that I went to when I went to HFES, which is uh, that conference where all the nerds get together, all the human factors nerds get together and they, they talk about their Do scientific findings. Rituals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> scientific findings and dark rituals and all that stuff uh but anyway um so so yeah what we'll do i guess is is just kind of talk about that panel yeah i'm excited about this this is one of the panels when we were talking about live from hfes with blake this was one of the things that really caught our attention and we're doing a show about it well yeah and you know i alluded to it um back on that episode but uh we didn't actually talk about it at all like i skipped over i said there was a cool panel on space stay tuned and now we're talking about it yeah yeah let's so talk about that panel yeah so um you know it was uh it was two people so it was the director of the international space station right uh and he's like on the ground uh in charge of all the missions and uh you know all the basically all the inner workings of the space station he he kind of sets up these things and just sends people up and tells you to do it um and then there was a female astronaut oh that's uh, so cool which is awesome it was just right, awesome right, right uh and she talked about some of the challenges regarding humans in space mm-hmm. um or they both did really and and it was really interesting because you have these two perspectives you have the user mm-hmm. and you have the director right so you have the person who's setting it all up right and then you have the person who's actually doing things yeah 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 and then they have to communicate there has to be things like that and it's not like you can if there's a problem in the space station you just go out to the local home depot and shoot it up there right right yeah that's definitely in here so uh i mean let's can we just take a minute real quick and just acknowledge the fact of how amazing of an achievement the international space station is it's really it's spectacular i mean not only did it a bunch of countries work together to make this thing but the fact that it's currently orbiting It's over space. our heads. It's in space. We have people in space right now. Just hanging out and living. Human beings. No, that's super cool. Um, and definitely one of the highlights for me was being able to shake um, Dr. Magnus, the female astronaut, right. her hand. And to say that I have, I have touched uh, another human being that has left this planet. That I don't think we give that enough credit. You know what? I would say I would almost qualify that with that is out of this world. Oh my! <laughs> no, 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 no! You're not no. going to give me that one. All right, I thought that was clever. file that one away. All right, all right, all right. But so, I mean, so we always talk about the idea of um, users, right? Yes. So the astronaut would be considered the user in this situation. What yeah. You, what you, if you were put on a space project, would design for. Right. Yeah. So so a human factors professional would come in and, and kind of design this uh, this workspace for these astronauts. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so the astronaut in that sense would be the user. But also a lot of times the astronaut is the designer. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. OK. Um, All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those challenges they mentioned, and and then we'll go from there, and we'll get to that. Sure, yeah. So, so the director of the International Space Station, he talked about the journey to Mars specifically. Oh, um, cool! I know, isn't it neat? Uh, this so, is the world we live in. I know. So he, uh, yeah, he talked about um, the Martian and how uh, duct tape and plastic doesn't really fix anything, or it doesn't fix everything. It fixes a lot of things, but it doesn't. Fi- like Matt Damon would not have been able to pressurize the cabin like that, and yeah, you know, he he was going on about that, but 
Um, Richard Dean Anderson would disagree with you, but Guy oh, would disagree. I, oh, with you. I'm sure. I'm sure they would. Uh, and then they <laughs> he talked about the phases of going to Mars, right? right. And these these were uh, these were broken down. Um, you know, there, there's this whole short duration, right? So a few days to a few months, this is, this is our astronauts actually going to the international space station Mm -hmm. and coming back, right? This is, this is very short term. And he was saying there's going to be this transition where we're going to go into this long-term, uh, long-duration mission where, um, you know, you have several years to get to Mars. You're on Mars for a couple months, and then you have several years back. So it's like a five-year mission. So instead of a couple weeks, a couple months, right, right. you're dealing with this longer term. And, you know, a, a lot of these things had, like, uh, or a lot of the issues, I guess, would be, like, the effect of gravity on the body. Right. Right. Because they said, like, what is it like? It's almost like a month to the moon and back or more. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I don't want to speak out of. I know. But I mean, like, it's one of those things. It's only like the farthest we've probably ever gone is like the moon and the moon and moon compared to Mars. That's a long, long trip. You know? Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a big difference um, between going to the moon or low Earth orbit and Mars. Um but yeah, he mentioned one of them was gravity, mm-hmm. right? It's not making our bones work as hard um, to, right. su- to support our weight when we're right. weightless. Uh, and they have uh, atrophy, right? Right, right, right. And so, I mean, like a lot of the ergonomic stuff that we talked about last episode, which actually is we- we're in a weird time right now because uh, the ergonomics <laughs> episode hasn't gone up yet, but yeah, uh, yeah. we've recorded it. So uh, it's like kind of like you guys are getting episode? a behind the scenes kind of look. No, and that's the purpose of this uh, these Monday um, right, right. These live streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to just kind of give you guys a like. If you if you watch us on YouTube, you get like an inside uh, heads up. Yeah, you see all yeah. the little follies that we do and everything like that. Yeah. So um, this trip that they're taking there and going to Mars and things like that, we yeah. don't have cryo sleep things, right? That's Yet. not a mathematical thing. Yet. Okay, 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 okay. All right, I'll listen. I'll listen. No, 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 no. He didn't talk about that at all. Um, but he like there. That's not even in their plans, or at least. They didn't talk about it in this panel, um, but I mean, uh, I I mean, we're big nerds on this show, right? And right. and so this next part was kind of really cool to me. This uh-huh. this is where I was like, mm, he hooked me on this panel. Really? Yeah. So what he did was he compared uh, science fiction versus reality. Right. Okay. Okay. Because we have a lot of ideas of how it's supposed to be, you know, inertial dampeners and everything. Yes. Yes. We have a lot of like, and I, I mean, science science fiction is everywhere and right it's a huge influence on our lives but um no i mean he talked about some things that you might not necessarily pick up on if you're just watching science fiction because mm-hmm. oftentimes science fiction is um you know just a metaphor for our lives currently but uh, a lot of the the themes in science fiction so like uh, gravity on spaceships that's not a thing Wait a minute. I thought they had the whole like centrifugal force thing. Like if you spin real fast, it's like artificial gravity, but it's not you, gravity. You can do it that way. Um, they were saying that there was a lot of challenges with actually doing that because the speed at which it would have to spin would be super fast. And, um, you know, orienting, like imagine coming in from a weightless part of the ship to that. And then it's like just super fast and you have to like get in. That's a challenge. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you wanted it to be slow enough, it would have to be really big, and so that's that's kind of out of their, out of their. Uh, oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay, yeah. I'm getting the science behind that. Yeah. So uh, they talked about the amount of space on spaceships. Like you walk into the 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 uh, 
I don't know, what are the bridge of the Starship Enterprise? Is that what it's called? Yeah, buddy. How much room is in that place? Well, I mean, come on. Just look at the Millennium Falcon, too. Well, hey, the Millennium Falcon's cockpit is really tiny, though. They have a little kitchen in there, though, like a big, wide kitchen. I wouldn't think that would be a thing. No, no, no. I'm not saying Star Trek versus Star Wars here. I'm just saying the cockpit, the the space in which you operate the thing. Right. Um, Is big, wide, open, and luxurious looking. Damn it. We said we wouldn't use... Star Wars references on the show. Okay, we, we're, we're well, grounding. We're talking, it. We're, we're talking about I know, science fiction. I know. I know. Um, so, so yeah, they talked about that, uh, <laughs> um, and they talked about food. Now, this was interesting to me because they talked about food, right? And in science fiction, it never deteriorates uh, in nutrition, mm-hmm. and that's a real challenge for them. Is they have to make food, and, and they have like a food designer. They have a food designer. That designs food that is both that both tastes good, mm-hmm. that is appealing, mm-hmm. and that doesn't decay in nutrition. Well, isn't that where we like get Dippin' Dots and Freed Stride stuff and Tang? I guess. I mean, it's Tang. tang. It's what the astronauts <laughs> drink. Don't you remember those old commercials? I do. With the tang. monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have food designers i thought that was cool um, dude i wonder what the actual like human factors for designing food like those little pouches and like the little like that's go-gurts. an industry yeah should we do an episode on that? Uh, absolutely we need a whiteboard like right here oh that, that would be so just cool has our show ideas yeah and we have a little like human factors logo on the back of it oh sweet um so yeah and then they talked about this one was interesting too life support right science fiction never uh mentions how it operates on the spaceship you just always have oxygen right and that's something uh that they really have problems with is providing oxygen and removing carbon dioxide from the cabin yeah that's the thing we take that kind of for granted i mean even if an airplane's there sooner or later if it flies low enough it gets oxygen yeah and this one this one went way over my head radiation like it's Right? Like if they're close to a planet that has radiation? Not even. Just they're constantly bombarded with radiation when they're in space. There's nothing really? blocking. Yeah, because we have this magnetic field on Earth that... The sun, right? Yeah. Ah, uh, dude. It's like putting people in a microwave. Right, yeah. So so science fiction almost never covers the radiation and space aspect of... Sci- you know, of I hate to thing. do this to you, but Star Trek covers all these things. All right, well... Real. Yeah, so so there's a ton of photons <laughs> right, coming right, towards right. the ship uh, from stars, blasting the astronauts, right, and spacecraft with this radiation, and it's like, how do you combat this? Huh. Well, I mean, like, it would be a long-term mission, but don't the, 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 the International Space Station people do shifts? Like, they only do go on for so many months Short and then term. they get off. Right. Yeah. But you couldn't do that with a long flight. And I mean, it was really interesting, too, because he didn't really seem too optimistic about solving this issue. It's like, there's nothing you can do other than, you know, try to mitigate it. Can't we just put lead in everything? I mean, like, isn't that the universal thing? <laughs> How heavy is lead? It's space. What does it matter? Well, getting the lead to space. Huh. I think, oh, he said, oh, he said a statistic in there that I meant to write down. It was, uh, it was like every pound costs something like $20,000. Oh, I've heard this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it's something crazy Every like little that. thing you bring counts towards yeah. what you can take. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he, you hear that. But then right. when you hear the director of the International Space Station say it, you're like, okay, uh, all right, okay. it's real. I believe you now. All right, okay. Um, yeah, so he went into talking about um, NASA has this human research program, and this is more of the human factor side of things, right? Right, right. I just thought the science fiction thing was interesting for us. But, uh, yeah, he talked about um, sort of these three main components uh, with the human research program. And this is this is all human research. This isn't just human factors. This is like um, psychology, 
of what happens uh, when you're isolated in space and psychology of being in close quarters with other people. Uh, so environmental health, um, like I said, food. That's These a, things don't normally come into play in human factors? I mean, they do, they do, but like not as prominent as the space human factors engineering branch of the human research oh, it's a focus kind of yeah thing. kind of like yeah. the idea of abnormal psychology versus regular psychology you know both of them but one focuses more on the other sure yeah okay so um yeah but the space human factors engineering branch they kind of cover you know human computer interaction right? right so so like how do the astronauts interact with computers with or without gloves on or gear on like oh, yeah, 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 you have yeah, to build yeah, yeah. something for them with you know when they're outside to because work on these the big... on these big panels, right? Right, right. Um, how do the astronauts operate equipment that was designed to be compact and mm-hmm. not necessarily more usable, right? Because like we said, it takes a lot of money to send stuff into space, and right. so oftentimes you know engineering requirements will make things really tiny, and um, you know they'll build to the specifications of the engineering requirements and not necessarily like it might cost a couple extra bits and pieces to move that control over here, which would be more usable, but this Mm -hmm. is more cost efficient. So how do you train them on those types of, um, those types of equipment? How do you balance the two out? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the cost benefit analysis to that? Uh, and then you like, how do you, how do you marry these two concepts of usability and engineering, uh, for the astronauts? Like, how do you, that, that's, that's what we were just talking about. An engineer is making, these items wouldn't they take that in consideration right yeah no but that's what you're saying like what's the balance right like right, what's right. how do you how do you marry okay. the human factors with the engineering part of it okay yeah. okay okay um they talked about mission process and task design now this was interesting to me because uh this is like um this so this is uh somebody actually designing a mission to be uh user friendly mm-hmm. now that's cool yeah. Right. Because they're sitting there and they're they're um, they have to consider, you know, is the astronaut going to be bored doing this? Um, are they going to uh, like what kind of uh, situational awareness are they going to need of the spaceship to do this task? What kind of um, uh, what kind of other factors are involved with all this mission? And I just thought the mission aspect of it, because that's not something you so, typically think about. Right. Like, so like, say, for example, they are on a long mission to Mars or something along those right, lines. Right. Right. The guy knows that there's going to be, by the time they get to the right point at the right time to launch this mission, get to that location, there's a really cool asteroid there that's go- or a comet that's going to fly by real safely. Right. They would actually say, okay, right now we need you to you know, hit the thrusters, turn on an axis a little bit, and watch this asteroid go by because that's just because of the idea, one, they get some scientific data, and two – the astronauts have something interesting to look at for a little while. Yeah. And, oh, man, is, I'm so glad you said that. Um, there's uh, – I have it later in my notes. But um, they were saying, like, you might want to design things to break on the space station. You might be thinking, what the heck? Because that's exactly what I thought. What? Why would you want to – you know how, like, um, computer manufacturers or or tablet manufacturers or phone manufacturers design their stuff to only have a lifetime of like a couple of years. So right. that way you come back and buy more. Right. It slows down after a couple of years. Right. Well, you know, for the astronauts, they do this for different reasons. So they actually design things to fail to keep the astronauts busy. Yeah, but... So, so okay, you're on a two-year mission to Mars. Right. 
You're in space. What are you doing? It's not a catastrophic failure. No, no, right? no, 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 no. No, it's no, more like I'm not saying like it's they. It's more like a bunch of bulbs went out type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that kind of thing. So they they design it in the sense that like it's repairable and it's not going to cause any major damage, but it will still like keep them alert and go. Oh, something's broken. I gotta fix this. Gives them a routine. Yeah, but they don't know when it's happening, so it keeps their vigilance high. Oh, right? I see. So. Yeah, so it, it was really interesting to hear about that. That I, I, I think we talk about that later. I wonder but, if they uh, utilize that in other aspects of the world. Oh, like, sure. You know, like I'm sure. With, like at plants and so, so industrial one, complexes. Yeah, so one example, um, think about like the TSA when you go through an airport security. Right. Right? They actually, in terms of vigilance, they send through um, fake bombs all the time. Oh, I've seen news reports about that. So, so they actually... It's to keep their vigilance up. So they're they're monitoring these things. And, you know, after like 15 minutes, your vigilance just drops. Oh, right, uh, right, right. Let's do an episode on vigilance because that's a... All right, write I'll it down. down. Uh, but, yeah, no. So, so yeah, they, they do that in other applications as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so yeah, uh, they, they went on to talk about, like, human autonomy integration. So, like, how do you, um, you know, how do you integrate the human with... Um, autonomous systems so like the spacecraft is going to be on automatic mode most of the uh, most of the trip right when you switch it back over to the human like how will they know what's been going on and what systems are up and running and which ones are down and how kind of like the whole readout thing right right yeah like how do how do you how do you get the human to take control again Mm -hmm. um then you have human robot interaction uh like with the uh grappling arms on the spaceship uh you know like for uh external so they send out like robots to the external uh to the oh, okay. outside of the ship so they don't have to go out there themselves exactly exactly um and so that kind of thing uh training um which training is how just astronaut training on the ground anywhere on the ground in space um, so they would be also training while going on that location uh maybe yeah so well they they talk specifically about like how to MacGyver, like they have MacGyver training, basically. Like, how do you how do you solve a problem using what you have? Paper clips and chocolate bars. They don't have paper clips or chocolate bars in space. Then I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, and then they also talked about like medical emergencies. Like all of them get medical training, so that right. way they can help each other at well, least stabilize them. Yeah. Uh, and then they also talked about like habitat and vehicle design, right? Like, how do you? It's like it's like being an architect, right? How do you design this space that uh, you know has landed on another planet or that's in space uh, to be optimal for the astronauts? Right, giving them more like maybe rounded surfaces on their habitat so it looks bigger than it actually is. Maybe things that, like that, or providing them a window, which has like a lot of psychological benefits. I have that later in the notes. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, and then vehicle design too, like. The little rovers. The rovers, the landers. The landers. All that stuff. Oh, that's so cool. I want to drive one of those landers around. They look so cool. I got to say, man, this was like the coolest panel I went to at HFES. Man, why aren't you working for NASA? They won't take me. me. They won't take me. That's because they're people of science and you're people of dark magic. Man, and I know know some people um, were really bummed about not being able to see this. Uh, And so I know we have at least one listener out there who is watching right now. Um, I'm probably really embarrassed, embarrassed that I just called her out, but she was, she was really excited about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't get to go. So, oh, so hopefully, I'm sorry to hear that. hopefully, hopefully us talking about it is, uh, fulfilling that. Um, right. We get to look at our beautiful faces. 
Yes, she's watching on the stream. Um, right. So let's see here. Uh, some of the other goals of the space, human factors engineering uh, for the upcoming years, human performance analysis, uh -huh. right? How are they doing? Uh, design, obviously, decision-making, um, you know, the normal human factors right, stuff. Right, right, right. Uh, digital modeling tool development. Uh, so how do they make tools in digital? Like, how are they designing the tools in digital environments? Um, what do you mean? I'm they're, sorry. They're literally designing the tools in, like, Blender or uh, they probably don't use Blender at NASA, but um, you know, software programs, they are making the, like physical tools. They are modeling them in these environments. Do you get me? Oh, kind of like CAD designer with like yes. jewelry and everything. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's one of their focuses for the upcoming years. Uh, I actually went digging a little mm -hmm. bit because this, this interested me a lot. Right. Um, right. And uh, I found a, a NASA document. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not secret. It's not secret. Oh, there, there's no, you know. got me excited there. I know. I thought we no, were going to about aliens. This is public domain. Oh, first thing on here, aliens. It's in alphabetical order. Nice. No. Uh, so, no, they want to they wanna cover everything between the physical, sort of informational and environmental and socio, so, psychosocial aspects. Psychosocial? I'll get there. Okay. Of human performance, right? Um, so psychosocial is like how do people interact with each other? How do you and I talk on this podcast? Are we friends? Are we like once these cameras go off, am I a total dick to you? Like Yes. Okay. But both. I, <laughs> I mean you know No, no, so, I get what you're saying. So though. like how do how do people interact and like what kind of social sort of standards are there for different countries? So like uh, I I'll skip ahead a little bit. So so Dr. Magnus was talking about how like Russians don't shake females' hands. Really? Is that really a thing in this day and for, age? For for like business, yeah. They don't. Huh. And so she was like, look, I respect that. And if I'm not like a central part of what we're talking about, I won't shake your hand. That's fine. But when I am in charge of a mission, you better shake my hand. So so it's compromises. Right. So she's right. asking you, them to compromise. Halfway. And yeah, she's she's acknowledging that that is a tradition of theirs. And so. So, yeah, it's like, how do you get these two sort of uh, culturally different um or, or two or more people to right. work together. Right. With it's, political yeah. differences and things like that. So, so yeah, this NASA document talks about communication, which is uh, exactly what we just talked about. But in a broader sense, it also talks about how, like, mission communications come in and out, right? Um, like from, like, uh, Houston and stuff yeah. like that? Or yeah. Beijing, I think that's where the Chinese one is. They talked about, like, messages uh, and delays of messages and limited bandwidth. What do you mean delays in messages? So, like, you know it takes, like, eight minutes to get to the sun, for light to get to the sun and back. Right. Or to get to the sun and then eight minutes to get back. Right. Um, and so, very similarly, it takes a couple seconds for us to talk to the International Space Station. And it takes a couple seconds for what we say. So, we're talking right now on YouTube, and if they're watching, they'll see it a couple seconds hey, later. Guys. Hey, astronauts, if you're watching. Stop. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, if they were to say, hey, guys, love the show. I just liked and subscribed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're always doing this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if they were to do that, though, it would take another couple seconds to get back. So there's that delay of communication, right? Right, and, right, And right. you get this with, like, the rovers to Mars. It takes, like, what, half an hour to get there? How do they put in commands like that, then? So uh, a lot of it's um, predetermined. So they, 
they'll uh, they'll they'll have like onboard systems. This is this is about humans. I'm well, sorry, I'm sorry. It's right, okay. We're right, talking about right. rovers. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, There's so many questions about space. It's such an interesting topic. If you want that, go go listen to Star Talk. But I mean, we should cover it at some point. But uh, uh, I, I the, at least the introduction with delays. Speaking of which, they have a book. And I don't know if it's on audible.com, but I just want to thank our sponsor, audible.com, for sponsoring this podcast today. If you go to humanfactor or audible.com, audibletrial.com. Wow, I messed See? that one up. I told you it's not easy. I know. know. Audibletrial.com. Audibletrial.com/humanfactorscast. Get your free 30-day trial. There's tons of books. I I found a new trick. I listen to them at like almost twice the speed and I get through them twice as fast. I've gone through so many books in the last Well, I worked my way up to it. Okay. So now I'm listening it twice as fast. Like every every day I would up it by like 0.1. Why? So like 1.1. Because, dude, there's so many books that I want to listen to. Well, yeah, but I get it. But the, that actor worked really hard in that performance. Yeah, and I just hear it twice as fast. Does it have the same inflection or are we yeah. getting chipmunk moments? No, it's not chipmunk. They they rate or they, they increase the speed but lower the pitch so that way like uh... it stays the same. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, this yeah, is old technology, right. man. All right, so let's get back to this uh, space day, space stuff. Um, oh, yeah, one more time. Audibletrial.com slash Human Factors Cast. Get your free 30-day trial today. It's great. Uh, so, um, and thanks again, Audible. Thank you, Audible. So uh, they talked about human interaction with information and automation. We already talked about human autonomy and integration. This is, again, from that document. Mm-hmm. Um, we got uh, data analysis and distribution. So, like, what uh, human interfaces do you need for effective and efficient data presentation? So like, how do you show data effectively mm-hmm. um, in these environments, right? And that's a, that's a really big thing. That's not exclusively to NASA, but that's that's a problem that they're working on currently. So how do you streamline like, like you know, altitude, measurement, speed, distance, things like that efficiently, right? Right. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Design and development, testing, evaluation. So human factors, guidelines for tools, facilities, crew aids, fasteners. There's a lot of stuff here. Wow. I got like three pages of notes on this, this one NASA document. They're thorough. No. Well, I mean, they gotta be when they don't, things blow up. They're thorough. Safety, medical facilities, uh, module features. This is cool. What do you Um, mean module features? Specific human factors requirements for mission specific modules such as effective controllers for robotic manipulators. Wow, this is really complex wording. Wouldn't it be really funny if we get up there and we find out it's just a PS4 controller hooked up? You know, they do have that. Yeah. It's like they, they've done that. Like uh, in um, some military applications, a lot of their users are gamers too. And so they just handed them a controller and said, look, here you go. Right, right. I mean, that's how a lot of the drone stuff and all that stuff developed because they just took things that were existing. Right. Okay. There's there's dangers in making people think that taking lives is a game. I've read that book. We just got real, man. Oh, dang. All right, let's get back to a fun topic, space. Space. Um, <laughs> space. Tools and equipment, uh, workforce characteristics. Uh, let's see, like what kind of psychosocial we just talked about, mm-hmm. uh, workload and tasks. So this is kind of backing up what that guy was saying. Right, right. Right, I mean, yeah, he kind of went over know, this he, briefly. I but bet, I mean, you know what it would be interesting if he actually wrote work this? Environment. Yeah, I, I didn't look. Yeah. I didn't look, actually. And I bet you it's drafted by a lot of people, but um, right. I bet you he is definitely involved in it. Uh, habitability and work environment we talked about. Training see, we just talked about. See, that's pr- that's an interesting thing because, Which I one? mean, the wor- habitability and work environment. I really find that one kind of interesting because of the fact that, you know, 
you're like we're friends. We like yes. each other. We like spending time with each other on camera. Right, right. In if we ha- we're in a garage right now, but let's say for let's say for a minute here though that we had to spend six months in this garage. The together. poor listeners that have no idea what's going on. But I'm serious. No, no, no. Yeah. Six so min- six, six months. We spend an hour here every week. I mean, sure. I bet we could spend a whole day together, honestly, or at least maybe even a long weekend. We have. We did on Saturday. Right, right. We did. We did. Right. We played games. We played games. But I mean, like what I'm saying Board is- games. Go check out that episode. Love it. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that- the the human factor and design that you would have to come up with in the architecture of designing these little habitats to make sure that you know one astronaut doesn't strangle another astronaut i mean i know they do like <sighs> psychological testing and things like that but like the design of the actual space like the design of the actual space like and i'm so glad you mentioned that because that's in my notes later uh, and dang uh, it. it's I okay keep doing this I'm it's so okay excited about it's okay. This. you know you should just really read just read the show notes before we I do read the show notes. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's it's uh, information creep. So right. you read the show notes and then you uh, get all these ideas and then right. it creeps into your conversation earlier. And that's fine. I mean, that's oh. fine. It's like it, it makes the conversation flow. And no, it, it <laughs> perfectly fits. It's interesting. Um, but I do have it later. OK, we'll because talk about it later. because I want to I want to make sure that we give Dr. Magnus the female astronaut credit for where she said these things. So. Oh, right. So. Uh, so I mean. Yeah, so uh, let's see here. Habitability. Yeah, we just talked about that. Training, mission support. Um, so this is like that uh, mm-hmm. communication. Uh, maintenance and logistics training and crew performance, right? Oh, everybody else that we're actually just going over this stuff too. When the show comes out, we'll also be able to put this document up on our Facebook and probably uh, share a link on the on the YouTube as we well. We can, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you can that. keep up with this. Now, are you, are you guys ready for the kicker? Because uh, – Here's the kicker. Oh, I'm excited. That was just the first person that <laughs> talked about all that cool stuff. Man, that must have been a cool little seminar. Why oh. don't they stream these seminars? They don't. They don't. It was so cool. And I wish, I wish we could have, um, you know, caught it on video or something. Because right. it, was, it was just phenomenal. It would be like, so much more interesting if they streamed a lot of these. Like, things. okay, so I, I literally got in there and I, like, sat down and from – like the second they started talking and all the space images up on the screen, I was captivated. I oh, was did just they show a lot of pictures of ISS oh, and stuff like that. Oh, they showed so many cool pictures. Oh, that's so yeah. Cool. I wish I could bring some up. I mean, I, I could capture um, the screen, but then our listeners would uh, not have that. Right. Anyway. Uh, so, your imagination. so that was the kicker right. uh, was that that was just one person. So now yeah. let's talk yeah, about yeah. what uh, Dr. Sandra Magnus talked about, which I would like to say how much of a, kick and name that is right there that is like you don't want to mess with hi like oh i'm sandra magnus dude and she was no like no bs she was all about like she She was was all business all business like she she would have to be you know she gets stuff done right she must be like oh man um yeah so she goes by the name sam because sam magnus sounds like just a cool pulp novel name sandra sandra sam 
Maybe she goes by Sam. Sam Magnus, P.I. Astronaut, adventurer. So yeah, uh, she brought the interesting perspective of the astronaut to all right. this discussion, and that was right. that was really cool. So there's like this big contrast with the first guy who saw things from the program perspective, like what do we need to do in the next couple of years to make all this happen, versus uh, you know what it's like to actually be up in space. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all this cool stuff. So I mean, she talked about living in space. Is what? Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> so cool. I mean, like, seriously, we will. You and I will probably never see. Never space. ever. Well, who knows with Elon Musk? Like, yeah, but that's going to be stupid expensive. Well, do you think he's going to have like a deal day, a little coupon day? I mean, who knows? I mean, he probably have Tesla for rockets or something. Like, I don't know. Uber for rockets. U- Uber rocket. Rocket Ubers. Uber rocket. I don't know if he could actually get away Uber with calling rocket. something Uber rocket. The, yeah, the Department from. of Defense would probably be all over Hold that. I'm gonna shut minute. you down. Uh, last time we got this. <laughs> oh man, this is not North Korea. Uber uh, <laughs> rocket. Would you like to order a missile strike today? <laughs> Call Elon Musk. Just kidding, Elon. Um, if you want to send us Teslas, we will totally We will totally them. take Teslas. Totally just saying. Uh, so, <laughs> no, she talked about uh, living in space, right? And so she t- she told this cool story about, like, you know, when you're up in space, you see the Earth. And it's totally – it's just in your field of view. And it just takes – it's beautiful. It's magnificent. You look wow. at it, and you just cannot – Pictures cannot do it justice. Like it's like when you take a picture of the Grand Canyon, yeah. and then you go to the Grand Canyon, right. and you're like, "Whoa, whoa!" I thought this was just a hole, a gr- hole in the ground, but this thing is humongous. Or, Chasm. or you like take a picture of the city, and you just don't appreciate the scope until you go to the city, and you're like, "Whoa, these buildings are so tall! How did man build these things?" Right, right, right. And so she was talking about the same kind of um, relationship with space. When you look at the Earth, it's like you take pictures, but it doesn't capture its beauty. It's like and what sucks is that we'll never experience that. No, we won't. In our lives ever. I mean, likelihood even our children might not even experience that. Oh, who knows. But but she she said that and then she said, you know, when when people do go to Mars, right. It's going to be a completely different thing because they will see it in their rear view. So they're going to literally see Earth shrink from this magnificent jewel in the sky and as they get further and further away, it'll just become smaller and smaller and smaller and pretty soon their home where they were born and raised will just be a dot in the sky. Can you imagine the psychological wear in your mind? That is exactly what she was saying. What will that do to them? I mean, like, how do you not just like get on your knees and scream? Every when you look- single thing they have ever known, they have ever loved is on that planet. And they're leaving away from it. And it's just becoming a little they can Everything cover it I with even their understand. thumb. I mean, like we get when we're kids, we get homesick when we walk, drive away from our house. The internet, human factors cast. They're not going to be able to listen to the podcast anymore. They can they're just gone. It off of iTunes. <laughs> well, yeah, NASA would have to send them a file, I think. They could still do it, I they guess. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. New episodes. They're, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, I always thought that Mars always just looked like, you know, the desert of Arizona. But I mean, like, you think they would actually rationalize that in their head? This is just like. I don't know. That's interesting. Like, I, I bet you being on another planet, like, that has, like, we've only ever been on the moon. And there's right. only been a couple people on the moon. And usually it's pretty euphoric from what they've all said. Right. And so it's like, yeah, what kind of experience will that be stepping off the spacecraft for the first time? Stepping onto Mars? A completely 
alien planet. Oh, like you imagine looking first... up into the sky and saying, wow, Earth is out there somewhere? Like that is just that blows my mind, man. You want to know what the biggest thing is? What's that conversation going to be like right before after they open the hatch? Who gets to go first? Oh, I'm sure they I'm sure they decide that a long time. No, I before. don't know about oh, that. Yeah. Though. I mean, like Neil Armstrong. And, I mean, like name the other guys. Uh, Buzz Aldrin and and uh, the guy who was in the rover, yeah, or not the rover, the uh, orbiter. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Though? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, just that. No, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, showing my lack of lack of. No, uh, it's okay. I knowledge. don't know who he is either. That's okay. just the thing that people know. And we're I'm sure people will comment on our YouTube right? or our SoundCloud like, oh, with whoever it was and yeah, be like, like "You guys are idiots." Pages, the rover guys fan page. You guys are idiots. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, they talked That's about. That's crazy of an idea, though. Okay, it so just blows my mind. So, so we got to move on to the next one. Right, though. right, right. right. So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know that one just. It's, it's, it's just. Oh, uh... man. <laughs> I. It just. It blows my mind. Okay, so uh, the next one she talked about was like the living quarters in the space, and this is what you mentioned right, earlier. Yes, this living is what quarters. I talked about. Yes, so um, she talked about how like everything is right next to each other, right? So you have like uh, food next to crew uh, who are sleeping. Uh, which is next to the treadmill. Right. Right. And which you can't use if people are sleeping because it's right next to them. And you can't get food if somebody's on the treadmill because literally the treadmill folds down over the kitchen. And so, and then like they have to design everything to be compact. Right. Right. And so there's a lot of competition with who uses what, when, because you have, you have this resource management that you have to deal with while you're on, on board. And, um, you know, living in space is tight. They can't, they have to, not like tight, like 90s tight. Like. I eat. I eat. Tight. No, like, uh, like cramped. It's right, right. claustrophobic. Like, and like, it's like if we had to spend six months this far away from each other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, with a, with a couple extra hallways and a couple extra like places yeah. to do, like our kitchen is there and our treadmill is here. I would walk by the door. I'd see you pooping. I couldn't unsee that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Same, same to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, no, but I mean, seriously, that's well, not a joke. That's interesting too, because she talked about poop. She, well, she talked about waste. Be, I think that would be a very important thing to talk about. But I think go so on. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She talked about waste, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, you know, and she was t- also talking about windows. I and mean, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, too. We, she talked about windows and how that has, like, a huge, profound, she used the word profound, psychological effect um, or experience, right? Because uh, you get to see outside of this cramped quarters, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very expensive to engineer. I would imagine so. So, so yeah, so... More windows and happy astronauts or less windows and, uh, you know, potentially safer, potentially um, less expensive. Like, does the cockpit have a large window in it? Not large. No. And uh, I don't you're thinking of the space shuttle. Yeah. Um, because the International Space Station doesn't have uh, oh. any. sort. I mean, it has controls, but it doesn't have any sort of like cockpit. Like you can't move it if you wanted to. Right. Right. Um, right. But I meant like what I'm saying is, is that do they have like any of those things where you can like. Like a, a viewing. Oh yeah, deck. they have they have like a dome shaped, uh, like out, like outrigger uh, area where you can just kind of look out and sit in this dome and look in any direction and see. I think that's the place I would never leave. Well, yeah, yeah, but there's you, you bet you there's competition for it. I would imagine um, like out like you have to do a sign in sheet. 
Yeah, speaking of poop, uh, trash on board the International Space Station. So they have to inventory all their trash. Um, yeah, because right? I get it because everything of waste that you make has to be noted on weight. Um, yes. And, and then, well, yes. And then there's also the whole aspect of like um, the – here's my notes. They, uh, okay, yeah. So, so she was talking about how like when you pack stuff, to go on board the space station, everything right. is nice and neat and organized and packed nice and neatly. Uh, but once you take something out of the box, like it never fits right the same way again. Right, because everything's like, like probably like vacuum sealed and everything. Well, yeah, like it's that. vacuum sealed. I mean, just think about like, um, like your Amazon packages. If you were to like uh, open something, like try putting something back in the packaging exactly how it was before. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. Right. It's just it's packaged in a way that like prevents you to do it. So, uh, so yeah, they do have to inventory trash and keep track of it, so that way it doesn't get out of hand, right? So they like they put it in certain places. They have a whole storage system. It's really interesting. Why don't they just jettison it out into space? They do. Okay. Upon reentry, so it so, burns up. Yeah. Why don't they do it before? They don't want to pollute space. They. They just want to send it in. They want to be sure it goes to the Earth's orbit and blows Burns up. Burns up. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. I can. I mean, like. But that's a good question. I don't know why they just don't like jettison it out. Like, like I mean, you, is it? I mean, like, like if what you if it shoot it out, like, like at the power of like, if you let go of a helium balloon, technically it will never stop, right? Right. Right. So I mean, like, it's not necessary. It's gonna hit something. I mean, what are they afraid of? It's gonna hit like. These aliens are going to come in and be like, we're going to make peace with Earth and talk to them. And then, bam, poop. Right. <laughs> on the like, windshield? Nope. We're turning around. <laughs> on the windshield? The they, like, cancer. turn on the windshield wipers? <laughs> like, what is oh, that? Man. <laughs> um, she talked about that famous Ender's Game line where there's no up in space. Um, is that true? Mm, yeah. But there are some pieces of the International Space Station that are built like there was. So the lights are on the ceiling. Is that to maybe make it feel a little bit more or less like home? I think it's more or less to orient the astronauts to, like, where things are. So, like, if they know the ceiling is above them, they use, like, ship directions, right? Aft port, starboard. Right, right. Um, so so they use those, and I think that might help them orient to those directions mm-hmm. um, and also to where things are, right? Because things are just packed on the walls everywhere. Right. Every wall, everywhere, there's something. Um, and that goes into that like resource management that we were talking about earlier. Like when you're using this piece of it, you know, somebody else can't use this piece. I'm for our listeners. I'm describing two pieces that are really close to each other. Well, like you said, if there's a fri- if there's a stove or a heat, a microwave and a treadmill. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't use all three at the same time. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. Um Let's see here. Uh, she talked about how the inventory system is inaccurate. They actually use like little, um, little flashcards, colored flashcards, like uh, to um, organize their stuff. Right. So, uh, let's see here. There's no digital tracking of the stuff. Right. What do you um, mean? So, so they don't have any inventory. Uh, management so like say for example they have ten blankets. They have a card that says how many blankets they no, have. No, they have a blank. They have a card on each blanket. Oh, so so they have different color cards and I'm not sure what the colors were. That's why I didn't put it in my notes. But right. um, I think green is like 
unpacked like we haven't touched this yet yellow is unpacked but we've packed it back and then red is like ready to ship back to earth or ready to blow up in the atmosphere oh um but she was talking about how like stuff gets lost all the time even on the international right there's only so much room and that's what she was saying too is like who put this where and why um like so so people are the problem there but then also like you find stuff seven months later that you're like that's where it is and it's like you're only I guess it's like the same thing if you were to live in an apartment and you misplace something like a remote control and you're like, oh, or like the there it few is. times that people get really tired and leave their keys in, um, leave their keys in a uh, in the fridge or something along those lines. I've never done that. I mean, you, you hear stories about that is what I'm saying. I, have I, you done that? No, of course no? not. I uh, never did that. OK. I don't. So the notes. You. So the notes. Uh, let's see here. Um, she also talked about how like astronauts have a poorly designed schedule, um, because it's about specific requirements. It's designed to, uh, what's free when, uh, uh, when is, uh, their earth. I'm not sure if they're out of Houston or Florida. I'm not sure. Um, but when are they awake? Right. Um, you know, and, and when, uh, when are they passing over certain places? When is the sun in a certain place? Like there's all these parameters. And so they design around that. And then everything else is kind of just sprinkled between. And so she said a lot of her job is like organizing her schedule, reorganizing her schedule in a way that still meets all those requirements, but also makes it easy to do. So instead of switching from one task where you're using this thing, (coughs) excuse me. uh, So instead of switching from one task where you're using one thing and then switching to another task where you're using another thing, you're using the same thing throughout two tasks, but doing two different things. And then you switch to the other thing. It's just more efficient. So, like, so she is in charge of her own efficiency. So, if you're supposed to, like, for example, if you got like free time to go look at the uh, the giant dome, right? That's you sign up time to look at the giant dome. You don't sign up time for it, but I, I mean, mean, like, you build just it example. in. Yeah. You build it into your time, but because you also have to monitor, like, I don't know, a passing shooting star or a look at what's going on in a weather pattern over Houston or something on those right. lines. You could you would schedule those things at the same time so you could do both tasks at the same time for efficiency. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly that. Um she talked about the uh let's see here. So yeah, uh, so things like due to equipment availability. Um so somebody might be using equipment one time and then she needs it for something else. Um available power that's what i was about to ask about that's power something that's there yeah power because you can only use so many items at the same time yeah yeah and then uh time sensitive requirements which we talked about mm-hmm. uh she talked about the challenges of commuting to mars Come. what would be the challenges uh potentially designing things to break on the way we talked about this earlier. right 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 yeah right. i mean um, like the things about break but i would think also the psychological how well do you mesh with the other people yeah yeah, that's uh, that's definitely one aspect of it. Um, and then she talked about th- there's other miscellaneous things she talked about during her presentation that were pretty cool, like uh, the medical emergencies training, which we talked about earlier, the MacGyver training, which we talked about earlier. That is Man. so cool, isn't it? Though I want to go camping with that lady. And and you know the uh, the what she said uh she said something that like really kind of stuck out to me so even though they bashed the martian at the very beginning they were like you can't fix everything with duct tape and plastic right um someone in the audience asked her you know out of all the space movies out there which one do you feel most accurately represents space Uh and um 
she kind of dodged the question, but at the same time, she said, the Martian really made me homesick for space. Makes sense. And I was like, wow, that's that's a really cool. I like I will never get that feeling. Yeah. Like I, I, I can be homesick for a place. Right. And I have been. Right. But but not Apollo not, 13. I mean, I, well, they mentioned that one. They, it's they, probably a little bit too. darker um, idea, you know. But I mean, like they, they I mean, that. That was just interesting to me. The homesick to space part was the interesting part to me. Mm-hmm. Just like, I would think you'd be homesick for Earth. Well, I mean, you probably set up your whole mental idea to be like, I want to be, I have, I like, you know, you, you, you believe in yourself to be close to people or in, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Um, you know, and then, and then one last kind of piece of interesting, uh, I guess trivia was that like she was talking about human perception and how like when imagine looking at a familiar object, like a glass, like a, like a cup, mm-hmm. you, your mental uh, models kind of, or your, your mental representation of that cup, you know what it looks like coming at it from Straight a horizontal. On. But when you're in space and you come at it from the top down, right? Like you're coming at it and it's, it's, you're looking down into it. It totally meant like that is not a cup to you that. So recognizing objects that are off their axis is right. That's really interesting. I never thought of that. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it that was, and she left with that. And I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. It was like, just understand where you live and how your perspective can change based upon the things that are around. This must've been such a hard panel to uh, sit through just because every 10 minutes it's like they throw some like, bomb on you that just makes your head go and you're like whoa mind blown yeah Yeah. no it was it was really interesting um oh i wish i was there man this sounds like such a cool i know a bunch of people that wish they were there and i'm so glad i got to attend i'm so jealous of it man you get to see all the cool things i know well that's gonna be it for today guys uh thank you for joining us on the youtube stream if you're watching um if you want to be featured on the show we're all over social media Uh, As you know, we're on YouTube now. Go ahead and comment on our SoundCloud, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can send us an email at humanfactorscast at gmail.com with all of your questions. You can also get to the front of the line uh, by supporting us on our Patreon site at patreon.com slash humanfactorscast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review us on iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast directory. We're always trying to keep in touch with what our listeners want, whether it be questions or show ideas, so please let us know Uh what you want to hear I want to thank Billy Hall for helping me out, decipher all this stuff. Billy Hall, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at ComstarCleric and also on YouTube under Billy Hall. Great. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Nick underscore Rome with two O's. Thanks again for tuning into the Human Factors Livecast. And until next time, it, it depends, depends in space. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. 
These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.